Hello and welcome to the Massive Attack Podcast. This is the year 2021 and we are doing the A2Zs. I am your host, Mitch, and with me, as always, is Joe. Hello. Hello, Mitch. How are you? I'm good. A to Z, I mentioned. You did? We've done A. We've done B. We're up to C. It's a shame we're not doing D this month because then we could have done Dustin Diamond, R.I.P. Oh, we could have done R.I.P. Screech. Yes. One of my favourite pawns, I must say. <laughs> Even yes. though I use a stunt cock, but that's okay. And that's not the forward. C we're using. No, because no. that would be S. No. Stunt, yes. <laughs> no, it doesn't rhyme <laughs> with that. Uh, anyway, C. Children's cartoons, we're going back to that because obviously we're just not agreeing with getting old. No. That's what we're doing. We're looking back, going forward, but looking back, <laughs> tripping over lots of things because we don't want to go forward. We're just looking back. This week, we are mostly talking about the cartoon Centurions Power or- Extreme. Yes, because just a mild amount of power wasn't enough. They had to go extreme. Yeah. Now, I remember the, the Power Extreme. It was the big deal. That was their big catchphrase. That was yes. the first instance, I think, of extreme being extreme. Now, the 90s were extreme, all of it. There was ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling. There was Extreme Studios, which is Rob Liefeld's comic company. You know, Pepsi Max was extreme, X Games, all that sort of shit. This is well before that. Hmm. And were- it's extreme with an X too, isn't it? Yeah. They dropped the E. Didn't need no fucking E. Just all about the X. Yeah, so this cartoon, it started as a cartoon back in 1986 from Ruby Spears Production Company. So Ruby Spears were quite a famous production company. They'd done a lot of things before this, mainly working with Hanna-Barbera, but some of their other standouts were the Mr. T cartoon. They also did the classic Thunder the Barbarian, and they went on to do... A lot of stuff in the 80s and 90s, pretty much a bunch of really good cartoons that a lot of them did have toy tie-ins. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, well, this this is around that peak time of all the cartoons were essentially there to sell toys. And this is this is no exclusion to that. It, it was a big toy commercial, but it was also, as we've found with a lot of the ones we've talked about, it was a great and fun cartoon. Now, do you have memories of the cartoon? I do. So, it originally aired in April of 1986. As we've talked about a lot of times with the cartoons that we've discussed in these minis and a couple of our other episodes, it seemed like we got things later in Australia because I can definitely remember watching these in 87 when I was living in Melbourne and I think it was Channel 10 had it on a Sunday morning. Sunday morning when they had that block of cartoons where you had Robotech and Pound Puppies and Muppet Babies and some old ones like Sinbad Jr., and Groovy Ghoulies, I think, was on there at one oh, stage as well. Don't on the Groovy Ghoulies. <laughs> well, that'd be, our, that'd be our G episode when we do Groovy Ghoulies. Maybe, maybe not. No, probably not. Mm. But yeah, I can definitely remember watching it on a Sunday morning. At one stage when I was a super nerdy child, I decided I was going to get one of those Tamiya radio-controlled cars. Mm. And my dad and I forked out like 300 bucks or something to buy a Hornet, it was, yes. which was one of, the, uh, one of the good buggy-type ones. And we joined the local Melton radio control car racing club and i can remember one saturday i can remember one sunday morning watching centurions and then trucking on up to the car park of the local council chambers where they had a track set up where we did races of remote control cars mainly because i used to watch the early bird show on a saturday morning and they used to do those bits where they would race remote control cars yeah Yeah. so they would do the races and 
and I would sit there and go, I really want one of these cars so I can learn how to drive it. I wanted it too, and I always thought those people were so stupid. How can they not drive? It's so simple. It's a figure eight. But I reckon Mm. I probably would have sucked if I was actually on it. It's it's harder than it looks. Mm. And they go pretty quick, you know, as opposed to the size of the car. I think the the speeds they're getting proportionally are quite high. But anyway, I can definitely remember having the remote control car club. And the first time we actually went was a weekend when it had been raining. And yeah, they put a track together in the car park of the council chambers rather than doing it at their local club where they had a dirt track with jumps and stuff. We just had a plain old track on the asphalt of the car park. But yes, after that, my normal Sunday routine would be get up, have some breakfast, watch some cartoons. And Centurions were always pride of place in the Sunday morning cartoon. Yeah, I I, I remember loving the cartoon, really enjoying it at the very least for what it was and never had the toys. I must, no, old, I must have been too old for the toys, but not too old to still sneak the cartoon in. Yeah, I don't think you're ever too old for toys. <laughs> well, I'm not now. Back then, I sort of felt I had to be, and I never was buying anything like that. I did hold on yep. to Transformers for a little while, I think, probably older than I probably should have been at the time. But yeah, Centurions probably just missed me, so I never actually got them. So let's talk about the cartoon, shall we? So Centurions okay. is set in the future. In the 21st century, well, so. I know. The present now. Pretty much. And you had three characters who were known as Centurions. They were secret. They lived. They had a secret base. So I'm not sure if they just helped the world. Like the Thunderbirds. It's like, oh, we're a secret. We're not going to tell everyone where we are, but we're going to help you. But anyway. Yeah. There were three characters, and they wore essentially these exo mech suits, which you could attach bits to. So they would go and fight baddies. If you watch the show Go Jetters, it's essentially the same thing, which is a kid's show. But they go around stopping bad guys do bad things while someone from a orbiting space station teleports them the bit of kit they need to get through the mission, essentially. <laughs> so they've got these exosuits and they'll get sent on a mission, stop the bad guy, and they'll, they'll signal to an orbiting space station where Crystal is sitting there on the console with the dog and an orangutan hanging out with her, as you do. And they say, quick, send out this, this setup, this bit of kit. And it'll be teleported down. They'll go power extreme. And then you get the same repeated animation of them suiting up with this, like bits and pieces attaching to their suits, which I always thought was fucking cool. Sure, they didn't have to yeah. animate it again. It would just filled in time. You know, it probably took out a good three minutes of the show by watching them suit up. But fuck, it was awesome to watch. Yeah. And then they do it. And it was really cool. And hmm. that was pretty much every episode. It was just yes. stakes were different every time. But they, you know, had to use the kit. It was all good. So hmm. the, the, there were three main characters, the Centurions themselves, and that was Max Ray. He was the leader of the group. and With a pretty cool mustache. Oh, based on Tom Selleck. You reckon? I was going to say based on Don Fry, but um, no, maybe apparently it was based on Tom Selleck. And okay. I'll, I'll read you the description here. He's a brilliant sea operations commander, the calm and collected de facto leader of the team, donning a green exo frame and sporting a fine mustache. We're not the only ones who said that. <laughs> His toy file card said that for exercise, he would regularly swim from California to Hawaii and back. His weapon hmm. systems are best suited for under water missions and yeah so that was max ray and he was underwater max ray okay and then there was jake rockwell and i'll read you his synopsis he the rugged land operations specialist donning a yellow exo frame suit and a passionate idealist with a strong moral compass he has a short fuse and often puts him at odds with the cocky and casual personality of ace we'll get to him later his weapon systems have the most firepower and are best suited for land missions and the last of the centurions is ace mcleod cloud hmm, interesting yeah. daring air operations <laughs> expert 
Donning a blue exo-frame suit, he is a brave but cocky womanizer who is sometimes at odds with Jake. His weapon systems are best suited for aerial missions. Now, apparently he's based on Harrison Ford. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, so they're the three main guys. So you've got one that he's got an air kit, and the other one's got his, like, underwater kit, and the other one's got the ground kit. And it's yep. pretty cool. So they actually had names too. So Max Ray, with his underwater stuff, had a cruiser, which was a sea assault weapon system that is used for in and out of water that includes hydro thrusters, a keel fin radar unit, and a missile launcher. Mm. It also has another one, tidal blast and depth charge. And the final one is well, actually two more. There's Seabat and Fathom Fan. Seabat. <laughs> now, Jake yeah. Rockwell, the land guy, he had Fire Force, which is a powerful land assault weapon system that includes twin laser cannons and a rotating plasma repulsor. Not just a pulsar, a repulsor. A repulsor. Yeah. And he had the Wild Weasel detonator, Hornet, and Swingshot, his other setups. The Wild Weasel was pretty good. So I don't know if how many of the episodes you rewatched when you went back and watched cycle, it. Yeah. Yeah, so he kind of just he kind of leans over, and his front hand, well, his hands become the front forks, and he holds the wheel of the motorcycle between his hands as he's kind of leaning over. So they're just different setups, you know. They're like mech suits essentially, but like that, like you said, one's a helicopter, which I think the Hornet, and Wild Weasel's essentially a motorbike mech. Yeah, Ace McLeod, he has the Sky Knight, which is the base one, which is a powerful air assault weapon system that has two turbo thrusters. Its weapons include stints. Missiles, laser cannons, and laser bombs. I don't know what a laser bomb is, but I like it. Yeah, so there's also orbital interceptor, skybolt, and strato strike. So that that's they were the main dudes and their main setups. And also yep. to round out the show, as the seasons went on, they added two more centurions to the rig. Rex Charger, who was an expert energy programmer who dons a red and pale green exosuit. And if he was a toy, he was going to glow in the dark, but they never got to make him. And also there was a Native American character because it was the 80s apparently and everyone got one. And his name was John Thunder and he was a specialist infiltration commander and he has a black exo-frame suit with exposed skin. Oh, saucy. <laughs> John Thunder. <laughs> yes, and his suits were called Silent Arrow and Thunder Knife where Rex Charger had an Electro Charger and the Gatling Guard. So they were the main Centurions and up the space station I was talking about, that was called the Sky Vault. The woman that was working up there, her name was Crystal Kane. And she used the transporter, which sent all the system down. And Jake Rockwell had a dog that pretty much he used to go on missions and he had a suit that you could put missiles on as well. He had sort of the exoscoot as well. Scoot, exoscoot. His name was Shadow. And also, for no reason, there was an orangutan hanging out and the orangutan's name was Lucy. Yes. Who knows why there was an orangutan? Maybe there was some sort of, you know, affirmative action for orangutans in the 80s as well. They had to have an orangutan. Maybe. I don't know. I know in the 60s, I think it was Julie Swartz, who was the editor-in-chief at DC Comics, he heard his kid at a birthday party talk about monkeys. Kids love monkeys. So he goes, put him in the comics. So you'll see a lot of comics around that time, like Gorilla Grog being invented, but a lot of issues of comics just had monkeys in them because they thought they were cool. Maybe it was a throwback to that. I don't know. But something, there is a link to comics here. This show was being developed. 
It was actually a bunch of science fiction writers who didn't mean nothing to me, but they're notable, apparently, according to the wiki of Michael Reeves, Mark Scott Zykri, Larry Dottillo, and Jerry Conway were the writers who came up with the ideas and concepts for the show. But the yep. two designers for the show were very much big hitters for comics, and that is Gil Kane and Jack Kirby. Yes. Now, Gil Kane is sort of, he he designed the, the Flash and Green Lantern outfits of the 60s that we know today. And Jack Kirby is pretty much, with Stan Lee, if not more so, the pretty much the designer of modern comics. And when I say modern, I mean 60s onwards. Fantastic Four, X-Men, Hulk. Did I say Thor? No, but yeah, so he invented all those characters. There's a lot of question marks over how much did Stan create and how much did he, and there's a lot of speculation out there, and there's not many people denying that, yeah, Jack pretty much did it all. Black Panther, Silver Surfer, Darkseid, all these characters. He invented them. He He's amazing. Unfortunately, died before all the Marvel Universe movies came out, so we really didn't get to see his creations portrayed properly. Like Thor, Ragnarok is probably the closest thing to a Jack Kirby movie we've had so far. Hmm. Like, it's pretty crazy now out there. But, yeah, so the fact that th- these guys are involved are sort of like, no wonder they look kind of cool. I think the good guys look cool. Like, we're, we're about to talk about the bad guys as well, but I, I think the design of the bad guys wasn't quite as good as the bad Not as, as the good much, guys. No. So the bad guys were cyborgs. So essentially yeah. half and half. So they had just shy of the shoulder to the where the neck meets the shoulder and to one side they were human and then there was a big chunky robot to the other side so they're a bit uneven non-symmetrical really just played with my ocd but that's probably why i didn't <laughs> like them i don't know it was really awkward to watch and i didn't like it because like it's not symmetrical it looks uneven yeah yeah so the main bad guy was the cyborg mad scientist doc terror and he was sort of a maroon sort of color and i don't know if they were intentionally had bad teeth, but both of the two main baddies had well, very English teeth. How would you know villains if they didn't have bad teeth? But they could have just been English. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, Doc Terror and his main companion was Hacker, who was like a bald-headed cyborg dude as well, and I think he was blue, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah, and there was also like drones and robots and stuff, and the traumatizers, they called them, which were the main robots that were in a lot of episodes. And I guess it kind of fits in with that whole what we talked about with the G.I. Joe cartoons, the fact that they were fighting robots meant they could blow up the bad guys and they weren't actually killing anyone. Yep. But there was also another character who was Amber, who was Doctora's daughter, who was sometimes kind of sympathetic towards the Centurions, but a lot of times she was still being a bad guy and hanging out with her dad. I, I watched a few episodes just going back to get my head around this again, because I did have fond memories of it from when I was a kid. But I noticed watching it again it is very repetitive, like most 80s cartoons are now. It's purely a toy tie-in. So let's just throw an episode out there and, you know, how many of the suits can we shill in this episode to make the kids go and buy the suits and the extra characters for their figures and stuff. So that being said, though, I think the series came out in April 86, but the figures didn't come out till probably about six months later. And when Kenner released the figures, they made it seem like it was sort of pressure from the viewers saying, oh, we really want toys, we really want toys sort of thing. Then they made the toys. But the toys were actually in production as soon as the TV show started. It just took them a little while to get them out into sales. But that being said, the toys are pretty fucking cool. They're bigger than a Star Wars figure. They're Much a lot bigger, bigger than a He-Man figure. They're probably about a seven-inch sort of figure. Yeah, and they were yeah they were solid looking figures and much like how they are in the show they had little holes on their bodies and the weaponry had little pegs and you stick the pegs in the holes and you turn the figure into the weapons and stuff 
So unlike G.I. Joe, which was all about collecting the figures and having the vehicles, Centurions were the vehicles. You just clipped on the vehicle parts or the you know the plane parts on the figure and, and that's what it was. And, and I think And you could do it as per the show or you could mix it up a bit if you want. You could put the fins Yeah, exactly. They had plenty of pegs on them. So you could actually yep. configure them the way you wanted to. Yeah. So I I remember them. I never had any desire for them. Like I said, whether I was I aged out, I'm not too sure. But I watched some clips on YouTube this week and I went down a rabbit hole of wanting to buy some of these because these are fucking great toys. Yeah, they're good looking figures. And and they look great with the all the mech stuff on because I remember mechs being a big deal in the 90s with Mech Warrior and those sort of things coming out. But these look great, and especially, like you said, the one that's a motorbike. I remember at the time Ace McLeod was my favourite and that's because I was a bit of an aeroplane person. So yep. I like the flying things. So it's like, yeah, Ace McLeod was my man. But looking at it now, I think I think I like rock. I think I like, <laughs> I like, I, I like all those sort of things. But the kits were cool. So you came with a base kit which was the, the first ones in the descriptions I read about. But then you got, like, other ones, and there were some big ones. And when I say big, I don't mean massive, but they were bigger. They look like more – one looks like a dude with a suit with bits attached to it. But some of the, the setups were you look like you're in a mech. It was huge yep. with big guns, yeah, so- firing missiles, spring-fired missiles and all this sort of shit. And I don't know if it's the a- is it ASML. What is it, the sound effects that we get – you like yep. listening, yeah. Listening to these kid dude play with his toys and hearing the mis- missiles go in and the springs loading and firing, it just sounded like childhood. And it was just like, oh, so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Want some? Yeah. And just and they, and seeing in in this man's hand, they were a big figure. Yeah. And when you put all the accoutrement onto the figure, that's a big fuck off figure that kicks ass. And it's like, oh. This is cool. And friend of the show, well, not a friend of the show, he hates us. Fresh, he's got three Centurions figures. But no, oh, of course he has. But no, yep. no attachments, uh, just, just the figures yep. themselves. And I said, oh, I want to sort of go down there. And one of the videos I looked at on YouTube saying, oh, you know, it's not that popular line. So you could probably pull, pick up a full, you know, kitted out one kit kind of set up for about 40 bucks US. I'm like, oh, that sounds all right. No. No, you can't. No. <laughs> no. No, I'm, I, I'm just looking on eBay now and there's a complete Centurion's detonator with Ace McLeod. Yes. Oh, and she says almost complete, so mm. it's not 100%. And that's already $299. Yeah. So, so yeah, They're not cheap. They're not cheap, but they're really good. And there's some dude on eBay selling it piece by piece. So we're yeah. talking there's a fin. So just say you're the, the underwater dude. So on your ankle, you have a rudder. On the other one, you have another rudder. He's selling per piece a rudder for $30, the other rudder for $30. So it's like you. I, oh. But there is probably out there that are completionists that would actually go and they buy need one, yeah. a rudder because they need one. Exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, it makes sense and I get it, but I just want one easy purchase at a nice price because I like it. And it's like, mm. oh, now Super 7? There's a few toy companies out there now that are doing a lot of retro toy lines. Like Maddie Collector did it for a while, and they bought out the classic Voltron. They did it with classic He-Man figures. So they did yep. they did these new He-Man figures. And when you see them, you go, yeah, that's what they look like. But no, it's how you think they look like. When you actually yep. look at a He-Man figure, they go, oh, that's what they look like. But that's what they should have looked like. So these were awesome. And again, Fresh has this full set of these. And they are fantastic. But if I wanted to buy in now, they are expensive. 
we're looking mm. loose. You're looking at fifty, sixty dollars a figure. So, yeah. But they just announced the line. They're doing a Silverhawks line. They're doing a whole bunch of things. So every now and then, and they just they just released a thousand dollar Snake Mountain in massive scale, and yep. and that's just been released. And they just announced in the last two weeks they bought out a Thundercats line a few years back, and they bought out a two scale. Thundercats Thunder Tank. They just announced it in the last week, and it's going to be like four hundred something dollars US. It's crazy, isn't which it? is. But if you remember the Thunder Tank from the Thundercats from the eighties, four yep. of those Thunder Tanks fit in this one Thunder Tank. That's how big this oh, thing right. is. So it's a lot of money, but it's not a toy. It's high end no. collectible. And that's the thing. It's like it's cashing in on the people that are sort of in their forties and fifties now up. that had these toys when they were younger, and they are cashed up. They can afford to go and buy. Yeah. Yeah, these big toys that they, they had when they were kids just to relive that childhood. Yep. So the fact that they're bringing out a Thunder Tank, which is great, and they're going to do a Silverhawks line of figures. They announced that in the last week. It's like, Silverhawks, that's cool. You know, I don't really have a strong memory of Silverhawks. They were in a shared universe with the Thundercats and the Tiger Sharks, and they were sort of vacuum chromed or whatever they call the f- figures, and they sort of have seen the yep. figures since. And it's like, yeah, they're cool. But I always thought Centurions were more well-known. So what I'm hoping, because I don't really want to go down a retro rabbit hole and paying a lot of money for these toys, because I'm just really excited this week because I watched some YouTube videos. Will I still be excited in six months' time? I don't know. But if they actually do, because they seem to be pulling up a lot of license and doing old toys, if they can pull out a Centurions in a couple of years, I think I might be happy. Probably. Because it's not long. It's funny because looking back, I have, over this last couple of weeks when we're doing the investigation for this, I've been more excited for the toys than I was rewatching the cartoon. Oh, me too. I found the cartoon was just too samey. Like it was pretty much everything happened the same in each episode. It was always that somehow their communicator bracelets would get broken and they were like, well, how do we get our you know signal to the Skynet sort of thing so we can get our suits? And then somehow they would manage to get their communicators back on and they would finally get their suits and they would be saved from whatever danger was happening that day. So I think watching a couple of episodes made me realize that, yes, maybe it's not the best cartoon, but definitely the toys were top-notch. Yeah, because I didn't realize, because I must have never even played with them either. Like I didn't know anyone with them. But Mm. they had cogs in the chest. So there was one on the back of the um, underwater guy. You could spin the radar dish on his back and the lungs on the front would breathe. Oh, that's cool. And there's one where it had a gun on the front, like a Gatling gun. So if you rotated that and it would rotate the radar dish on the back of him. And if you twisted a a full 360, it would fire the shoulder-mounted missiles. It's like, oh, Mm. So, I mean, Transformers still probably have the best engineering of toys, but these ones are pretty fucking good. Really, Mm. really good. Kenner were definitely onto something good, though, in the 80s. They had the Star Wars line. They had Mask. They had these guys. They were making money hand over fist. Well, they were, but then obviously Star Wars died out. So they kept looking for new lines, and this was one of them. And the fact they only got, you know, essentially three figures, two bad guys, and I think a couple of the drones – was, yep. was all they got out. They, you know, they introduced mm. those extra two characters, Centurions, but they never got figs. They did develop figs and there's prototypes, but they never got released. Obviously, they tried, and I'm watching one of the YouTube videos about the toys. Kenner were having a bunch of lines that failed. There was one called Sectors, oh, yeah. which yep. I have I seen pictures of the figures, and I thought they were new repos, but no, they were really top-quality figures, but no one cared for. 
Now, I know there was a comic release with it, but I don't know if there was a TV show that went with it. And a lot of these toy lines really needed this TV show to back it up or to sell it. And even, like, I have fond memories for Centurions, but I'm not sure if the rest of the world does. Like, we got it on that Sunday morning, like you said. That's when I remember it from. But maybe it was they got it in America and it was pushed at the wrong time and they just got rid of it. Just didn't, didn't mm, buy it. They didn't have it. So it seemed to be a lot different over there how they showed their cartoons to us. But, yeah. Yeah, because we, we would get them once a week here, whereas in America, being the fact that they're syndicated, you'd get it five days a week in that after-school time slot. So there were 65 episodes in total made. It originally started with a five-part miniseries and then it got picked up for another 60 episodes, so 65 episodes in total. But I guess if you are running an episode every day, 65 episodes will cover, what, six months or something. So it's over pretty quickly. So the crest of the Centurion's wave came and went. After the show finished, DC picked up a comic line of it, and I think there was about four issues of the comic before that got dropped as well. And then That's something I'm actually going to investigate because I can't get the figures. They're too expensive. Maybe I'll grab them. You might be able to get the comic. So, yeah. But it was huge. It came, it blew up, and then all of a sudden, Centurions were gone. And it's just, you don't really see them around all that much. Like, I've been to a few retro toy stores, and I don't really see them with other toys. So, whether they weren't that popular here in Australia or they just, you know, we didn't get many of them here in Australia, I don't know. But, yeah, it's not something you see out in the wild of collection shops all that often. No, but something I did in the YouTube rabbit hole that I went down, something popped up and it was from, I think, from Toy Galaxy. I think it was one of those, but it was talking about a cartoon called Exo Squad. Now, I had a vague recollection of it. I was like, was that a computer game? Did I see ads for it in comics back in the day? And yes, I, I, I would have. It was a computer game on the Genesis or the Mega Drive here. And essentially, it was this sort of thing where it was set in the future. And by the sound of it, the guy described the cartoon as being very um, progressive, but it was the 90s, so it was a little bit different. They said the animation was very nice, but people died. You know, they never had the whole, you know, people getting up after being blown up, saying, oh, that was close. Um, But yeah, it was sort of like it was terraforming the Mars, and they'd done that, and they were going out for the further reaches of space. So they had these mech suits or these exosuits, essentially, that they wore, so they didn't get teleported on and rearranged. Everyone had their own suit so that was the toy tie inside of it was there was just a lot of different mech suits but they had a bad guys which were genetically engineered race of slaves basically to help terraform and this is well before the show starts they actually revolted and said no we're not slaves we are our own thing so the bad guys actually have a point yeah so it's sort of set in the future with this fight with these people and their stakes are high and it's sort of like oh Maybe I'll have to check this out because it sounds interesting. There was like a bigger story arc. It wasn't just one you done episodes, but yeah, I don't think the toys really took off or anything. And but yeah, I just it just made me remember that yeah, there were computer games. Obviously, were a lot easier to make for that Genesis Mega Drive era because yeah. a lot of things seem to get a game because the development teams and costs obviously weren't much. So it's like yeah, here's a thing coming out. It might be big. Let's throw some money in and see if we go. See how we go. Hmm. I mean, a lot of the games back then were just platformers, so I guess it's just what skin do you put on it? Exactly, how you make yep. it work. But yes, yeah, like, oh yeah. So I might have to check out some Exo Squad because maybe it's the 
centurions we we think about you know you like you said you went back and watched going yeah that's not what i remember those toys are fucking cool though maybe exo squad might be the show you need to watch might be mm. well speaking of the cartoon it is on a couple of the online streaming sites so kiss cartoon and watchcartoons.com if you do want to watch it just interestingly though one of the voices in the show so the dude that does ace mcleod's voice is a guy called neil ross and he is actually quite a prolific voice actor in cartoons some of the things that would tie back into previous episodes we've talked about he does uh, the voice of bone crusher hook springer slag six shot and point blank in the transformers he also did the voice of mean gene oakland in hulk hogan's rock and wrestling and more importantly he was the voice of john j rambo in the rambo force for freedom cartoon so yeah Hmm. busy man he is and he is still alive and he is still doing voiceovers too so that's good to hear Hmm. yes and and it wouldn't be a cartoon without Alan Oppenheimer being a voice in there somewhere. Probably. All right, but that's probably a nice place to wrap up our little chat about Centurions. If you have any feedback for us, you can find us on our website. We are the mapodcast.podbean.com. We are on Facebook as facebook.com slash the massive attack podcast and you can find us on twitter as the ma podcast so if you really want to make us smile you could uh, find our addresses and send us a figure in the mail but i very much doubt that's going to happen but until next time thank you very much mitch it's been fun going back and having another look at these things yes it's been extreme it has and until next time i will talk to you then bye Oh,
Extreme!